I've had some properties on Airbnb, but it was just never, um, it wasn't the way I wanted to run my business as far as just letting somebody take the money and tell me when I, when I can do things. Mm-hmm. We have a, a neat little thing we do at our seminars. We show a, a guy with a, a pizza hat, you know, and he runs a pizza parlor, and you go down the street, and you go into the pizza joint, and you want to buy a pizza from the guy, so you give him $10, and he cooks you a pizza. Well, how would that pizza guy feel if somebody set up a tent in front of his door, and you had to go into that tent and pay that guy, and then the guy in the tent went and got you the pizza and came back out and handed it to you? you know, we don't <laughs> want people in between the two people that should be doing business together, and that's kind of how we see that end of the market. Welcome to Live, Let, Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Live, Let, Thrive. That was for um, Aleria's um, kids. Apparently, they like how we harmonize together. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. So, <laughs> they said, we they, they hate it when y'all don't do it. I was like, oh, okay. We always kind of try to do it. Unless I'm by myself. Anyways, um, this is episode uh, 70. 7-0. The 7-0. And uh, of Live, Let, Thrive, your favorite Airbnb, STR, LTR, short-term, long-term, real estate, whatever. Share Economy podcast, and um, thank you all for joining us again. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and today we have a special guest coming all the way from, I believe, Florida, Mr. Mr. Joe Goddard, or Godard. How, how do you say it, Joe? Godard. You, you had it right the second time. How are you guys? <laughs> I had like two options, and I got, you know, I, you know yeah. second time's 50, 50. good. So, um, so Joe, Joe Hell's out of the, the awesome state of Florida. And um, he's doing something very interesting with the um, short-term rental market. Um, so go ahead and introduce yourself, Joe, and tell us a little bit about your company, if you, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, like to say, my name is Joe Godar, and I'm with Emerald Coast by Owner. Uh, we also call it ECBYO, and we do have a sister site to this, which is SMBYO for Smoky Mountains by Owner. But we like to just call it a, a regional uh, vacation rental listing site. And, you know, with all the giant OTAs that are out there kind of doing all kind of different things in the market now, um, we've been in the vacation rental business uh, for about 20 years uh, with owning properties, managing properties. We have vacation rental software. We've built vacation rental sites. And about two or three years ago, we decided to get into the listing side of things and just focus kind of on a boutique-type level for very specific areas, and since we're, you know, in the Emerald Coast and have been there for so long, we we thought that was a perfect market to start in, and we just want to get back to a really clean, traditional way of marketing vacation rentals so the guests can get in direct contact with the owners and managers and let them do their business together. Okay. Uh, you said a lot there. What, what exactly is an OTA? Online travel agencies. Okay. And, you know, so- the... The big guys, the HomeAways, the VRBOs, Airbnb, et cetera. Okay. So how, so when, when you guys started and when you decided, hey, we're going to create our own one, our own site for this area, what, what, what was the factor behind that? What made you do that? Well, being in the, in the business and actually, you know, renting my own home out, uh, homes, and then managing my friends and being in a, you know, basically like a manager, um, we needed to have marketing. 
And so for years, the gold standard was VRBO. And this goes back to, you know, 20, 30 years ago when they started that out in Colorado. Um, then came along home away and kind of brought all these companies together. They bought dozens and dozens of websites and built the home away uh, network, uh, which VRBO was the lead horse of that pack constantly. And they were the strongest marketing players in the vacation rental world. And they did a great job. Anybody that had a vacation rental knew all you had to do was put it on home away. Your phone would ring. You'd fill your property up, and things were great. And people did that and thrived in this market for years. And about two years ago, we saw the landscaping starting to change, and we saw that HomeAway was positioning themselves to sell out and basically flip to a, a commission-based system that we didn't think would be proper you know, for us to run our own business. Mm-hmm. And by that I mean I had my set group of customers, my clients. I had my homes, my properties, and I knew how much money I had to bring in each year on each property. Uh, to make myself happy, pay my bills, pay my mortgages, and to keep my other owner friends happy. Um, I didn't see where I could give up 10 or 20% of that just to be on a website. So we decided to kind of step into the market, and we thought we could handle marketing, a regional site. And the word marketing is a very strong word when you're talking about a a listing site or a a marketing site because you really have to do a lot to market a website. And we thought if we went on a regional basis, we could handle that. We're taking on a worldwide. We, we weren't going to take, you know, HomeAway or VRBO on to replace them. I mean, that was just not even in the equation. Um, but we thought the, the boutique and the smaller regional sites, we could come into that market with proper SEO and, you know, billboards up and down the, the road. Um, we went into the market and had seminars up and down on the beach. So we really tried to do a guerrilla-type marketing uh, to get people behind you know, being on one site for one area. Wow. So you guys, it was a lot of marketing behind all of this then, right? A ton of marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing people don't understand is it is all marketing. And mm-hmm. it's, it's not that a website doesn't matter. You know, every there's a million pretty websites that have come out, but if they're not being properly marketed, the people don't get to the site to, to call the owner or manager, and then it just becomes a, a empty ship out on the ocean just sitting there where, you know, we have to push this out to get the guests to get to the site to see our owners and managers to call them. And we just want to be the marketing end of it. We don't want to take their payments and give them, you know, terms and conditions and tell them what they can and cannot do. We just want them to get together on the website and then they can do their business. And the guest needs, in my opinion, to talk to the owner or manager directly and not go through a third-party uh, source that is going to call an outsourced, um, you know, foreign person for customer service. I think you should talk to the owner manager of the property that you're staying in. Yeah, I, I definitely see where you're going on that. And I actually agree because uh, me and Steve, we're actually looking to kind of dump it, jump into that type of market soon too. Like kind of something where it's more just directly the host and the guest. I definitely see where you where you're talking about with the OTAs. Sometimes the OTAs have a little bit too much power. <coughs> Airbnb, um, <laughs> you know. So I definitely see what you mean. <clears throat> I noticed you didn't mention um, Airbnb one time in that whole um, discussion. There were they not a? Con- oh, you did. Okay. Well, cause most of your, um, your, I wouldn't say taking business, but um, you were dealing with um, VRBO, VRBO, or HomeAway more than uh, Airbnb. Correct. Um, you know, Airbnb kind of came along and really did well with the, you know, the European sharing market mainly. You know, 
rooms and apartments. Um, they've moved into the vacation rental world, um, and they're probably more popular now with you know the younger crowd than they are the older crowd. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably showing my age by saying I've you know been doing this for 20 or 25 years. Um, oh, wow. I've had some properties on Airbnb, but it was just never. Um, it wasn't the way I wanted to run my business as far as just letting somebody take the money and tell me when I when I can do things. Mm-hmm. We have a, a neat little thing we do at our seminars. We show a, a guy with a, a pizza hat. You know, he runs a pizza parlor, and you go down the street, and you go into the pizza joint, and you want to buy a pizza from the guy, so you give him $10, and he cooks you a pizza. Well, how would that pizza guy feel if somebody set up a tent in front of his door and you had to go into that tent and pay that guy, and then the guy in the tent went and got you the pizza and came back out and handed it to you. you know, we don't <laughs> want people in between the two people that should be doing business together, and that's kind of how we see that end of the market. And that's pretty cool. Uh, that's a great analogy, by the way. And that's how we've been we've been seeing it, because we're on a lot of these um, Airbnb uh, Facebook pages, mm-hmm. and a lot of people get on there, and they and they gripe. I mean, they, they complain about Airbnb, you know, how, how come they're doing this? How come char- they're charging for this? How come they're not reimbursing for this? Or how come they're putting these, you know, this these people, now we can't even see who's going to be put in our house. I mean, it's like all these, it's like constant complaints. And at the end of the day, I'm like, hey, it's it's your house. You don't have to let them do it. You know, it, it, you're acting like they right. own your house and they're the ones dictating everything. I mean, you don't. I mean, the only thing is there's no, not really another option for them but Airbnb and perhaps VRBO. Well, I call it success by convenience. Um, people, you know, if you had that apartment over in Europe and let's say you had a bedroom and you could just put on Airbnb and start making money off it, that's very convenient. But... You know, if I went and spent, saved up my money and spent a half million dollars on a home on the coast of Florida and I'm running my business for years and everything's fine, I don't want to back into giving somebody 10 to 20 percent when I just want somebody to make my phone ring. And so I, we see a distinct difference in people that um, really want to control their business and be able to run their business and, and work it like a business. Or some people just want a little bit of income in the Airbnbs and the VRBOs that take their percentages and use their payment processing, and you, you have to abide by their terms. If the guest has a problem, they call Airbnb, and Airbnb tells the owner what's going to happen, and that's the part we just don't kind of agree with. Right, right. And so, um, so in other words, you're putting, you're putting them in touch with each other, and that's, and that's cool. And so, so how, do, how exactly does it work? So I'm a host. I got this, you know, like you said, $500,000 property. I call you guys up, or I, <laughs> who, who, who makes phone calls anymore. But I, um, I, um, they have a cool chatting feature, by the way, Micah. They, you can get on there and their website and chat. with. That's how I got in touch with Joe. So huh. pretty, pretty sweet. But anyways, so, so they hit you up, and they say, hey, I want to list my house. And um, or condo or whatever. What are, what's the next step? It's all done online, and um, you know they just go through where it says owner login, create an account. Um, they purchase the listing. They could buy you know one listing. We have managers that put up dozens or hundreds of listings. Um, we do have the capability of doing a data feed with the larger people. But if you have one condo, that's perfectly fine. Uh, you pick your community, and let's say you're in. You know, the Calypso in Panama City Beach, and you have a three-bedroom condo, then you put your pictures up. Once we see the listing has um, more than enough, we have like a a scale of around 60% completeness. We push it out to the live site, and then hopefully our traffic on the site is seeing that condo or or home, and then they call 
and email you directly to book, you know, directly with the owner from the guest. Okay, and and, um, and how much would that cost for me to book uh, put my place on there? Our rate for one property for one year is three hundred forty nine dollars. That's very reasonable. That's yeah. very or it's very good. Um, so, so do you you provide the owners with like a calendar and stuff too, kind of similar to Airbnb VRBO? We do. We have again different things that we can do. Um, we have a software package. It's called iVacationOnline.com that integrates with Emerald Coast. So if you see a listing that says book online, they're using the online booking software. That means that owner or manager has their own merchant service. And so that listing, when you click on the dates and actually book it online, that money's going directly to the owner and you're booking with the owner. You're not booking with Emerald Coast by owner. Um, others have their own websites outside of our system. And they might have, um, you know, like the property manager, let's say, Wyndham. They might, you might book on Wyndham, but you find them on our website and you <coughs> click and then you end up on their website where their tech or somebody or representative that you call puts them on your website or the email comes back and you book somewhere else. But we're the uh, originator of the inquiry, you know, through our marketing. Uh, that's pretty awesome right there. And so... um so, so I guess insurance or anything like that never comes into play. Not from you guys. Not they're gonna, they're not going to call you up and say, "Hey, these guests, you know, broke something in my place," and you're going to say, ah, "You know, I put you in touch with them. You did, you, you did business with them. It's, it's kind of on you." Is that correct? That's correct. Now, some of the uh, there is damage insurance and travel insurance available through you know the booking portal that we use, iVacation Online. Um, but the other insurance would be through whoever, you know, whoever you book with. If it's a separate uh, manager or separate owner, you'd be booking directly with them and maybe buying insurance through them. Okay, that's cool. It keeps you, it keeps you 100% out of it. Um, sorry about that. Um, I'm fighting through a little bit of a cold right now, Joe. Um, anyways. That time of year, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So y'all operate, y'all over there on the on the Emerald Coast, the... Um, where Destin, you know, I've been there a couple times. I love Destin, Florida, and um, it's it's just beautiful. And and so y'all, you, you just always done business there, and that's why you decided just to cover that area, right? Right. Well, yeah, that's where I, you know, have my properties, and I've been down there for about twenty three years, I guess exactly. Um, but we go, we called now. The Emerald Coast is not an official name. You know, you can't look on a map and say where's the Emerald Coast. It's a, you know, people have named it that over the years. And so when we decided to do this, um, we didn't want to go too big, but we, we, we didn't want to go too small either. And so we decided to go over into Alabama on the other side of um, Fort Morgan. It's Dolphin Island. And so that's the, the west side of our region. And then we go through Alabama, through Florida, Pensacola, Destin, Panama City Beach, uh, Cape San Blas, unfortunately where all the Hurricane Michael was a, a few weeks ago and out to, like, uh, St. George and Apalachicola. So it's about a 300-mile stretch of beach that we call the Emerald Coast, and that's what's represented on the website. So you've, um, so I guess, I mean, you found your niche, obviously, and it's, uh, been, and it's been pretty successful so far? It's going great. Um, we're thrilled. You know, it, it's been somewhat of a learning experience for us. We knew we had to, you know, really dig into the marketing and the SEO. Um, so we've tried to bring in some of the, you know, best companies and the best people that are out there as far as, uh, you know, really tweaking things to, to make it a serious player in the area. 
And we think that we can take like a magnifying glass and just, you know, make this a hotbed for um, we want to be the guy in this area that everybody goes to, you know, to find their vacation rental and also to list their property. Cool. And you keep saying we. Um, who was your partner? I mean, who was in that video, that, that famous YouTube video of you guys? <laughs> That's actually uh, my nephew. Yeah, we have a, a team of people. Um, his name is Corey, Corey Godar. And he does a lot of the marketing. Him and I basically head up the marketing, but he's very strong in social media, um, SEO. So he is my go-to guy as far as he's behind the scenes doing a ton of the social media stuff that we do. Um, you know, we have a big Facebook page. Um, something that we have that is, you know, people are really, really liking is we have a lot of Facebook groups. And you guys mentioned that a few minutes ago. Um, on our Facebook page, you know, Emerald Coast by Owner, you can click and see groups. And so we've got a group for every one of, like, our communities. So we have a, a Gulf Shores group, a, a Pensacola group, a Destin group, Panama City. And so people are joining these groups, and this becomes a whole other level of marketing for us. And it's an Emerald Coast group, but the guests are in there communicating with themselves and with the other owners, and it's like a complete chat system and a thriving community, you know, totally outside of our website, but it's, um, represented by our listings and our owners going there and uh, they're posting what dates they have available, what specials they're running. Meantime, the guests come along and say, hey, I want to come to this area for these dates. And then it's a great way for them to communicate. And it's kind of a newer version of marketing that we're really happy that we stumbled on it. So uh, do you guys plan on expanding? Like- yes. Um, we did this year launch the SMBYO site. Uh, Emerald Coast by Owner has been up. Uh, we're coming up on our two-year anniversary. And we were really happy with how that went. So within a year, we uh, decided to start another one. So we went to the Smoky Mountains. So it's SmokyMountainsByOwner.com, and we launched that in January. And we just want to take our time and get each one, you know, recreate the system in different areas one at a time and not try to grow too fast. Um, but we have our third area kind of picked out, and hopefully within the next six months we'll get that one up as well. Okay. So are you guys just focusing particularly on vacation rental areas? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you're kind of not doing the whole Airbnb, going into the inner city, having to deal with the fighting city councils, things like that? Correct. Yeah, we're sticking with the traditional vacation house, vacation condo. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be on the beach, of course, because some of these are mountain areas or lake mm-hmm. areas. Uh, but the traditional rental, uh, vacation rental of a house or a condo, uh, townhouse, that's what we're sticking with. Yeah, we're, um, we're definitely going through a fight right now where we're at. We're in Arlington, Texas. And so they're on the verge of banning Airbnb or short-term rentals altogether. And, you know, like it's, like you were saying, well, it, this is this is in neighborhoods. And so I I can... We can see, you know, the arguments of people um, that don't want it in their neighborhood, you know, mostly um, older older people. And cause we, we went to a city council meeting and, and you know, on one side was, was a lot of elderly people who didn't want it in their neighborhoods. And the other side, it's a lot of younger people who are doing this and making money, you know, helps helps get by, make some money and uh, pay off them student loans. But so it's like um, it's a real battle going on. And, it, and it, I guess it is. Um, it is beneficial you're staying in the in the um vacation areas but but i like if you did you know branch out to the neighborhoods and stuff like that inner cities like michael was saying would um 
I guess I don't see how they could come after you because you're just you're not even. I mean, you, you're like the facilitator, I guess, but you're not the ones, um, you know, taking money from either side, right? Correct. Yeah, and then um, in the industry we call it the uh, agent of record, and that's who's taking the money. And so we're we are not in that ballpark. You know, once Airbnb and now VRBO stepped into that. It's just there's so much more that comes along with it. You know, the sales tax reporting, the responsibility, liability. Um, we think there's just plenty of room to just be a marketing source. And then, and I, I firmly believe and always will that the person that whose house you're staying in, that's the person you should pay. You shouldn't pay some marketing company, you know, to book a house that you're staying in. I think you should book the house and pay the person that's staying there. So we want to keep that model where, you know, we don't get involved in that payment process. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so do you, you use um, Google Ads? I would I would assume, and then um, and Facebook Ads too, since you have a big presence on Facebook. Yes, both very much so. Yes. And how would I'm just getting a little technical, but how do you go about targeting the you know potential consumers or potential um, partners, however you would say it? Uh, people that want to list their place, how would you go about targeting them? Because that's like a big thing that we're trying to learn, <laughs> try to, you know, yeah. do some target ads. Well, there's a, there's a million levels to this. And the thing that I've really come to enjoy in getting to learn is the, you know, Facebook marketing is like an onion. There's so many layers and layers and layers and layers and layers to peel back. Um, I'll just give you the, the quick overrun of kind of the elevation that we went through. Um, you could have an email list, which we did. We had thousands and tens of thousands of emails of people that have stayed and inquired in these areas before we started. So you put that into a Facebook marketing campaign, and then they find the people's Facebook pages. So you're not emailing those people necessarily, but you're now able to market to them through their Facebook pages. They see your ads. And then they come to the website, and then you have a pixel on your website, and you're grabbing that information that that person just visited you, and now you can retarget them. You know, this is when you go to Facebook, and all of a sudden you're getting the same ads shown to you over and over again. Well, it's effective because people are shopping for a certain reason at a certain time, and they want to be able to purchase something in, say, a three-day period. And if you're in front of them at that time, then you're more likely to get that sale. And there's levels to that that go very, very deep. You know, we can create a lookalike audience if we have, 100,000 people that are of this demographics, we can go into Facebook and say, give us 2 million people that match that group. And then we push our ads out to those people. And then as they come to the website, anything they touch, you know, our Facebook page, our Facebook groups, our website, we're then able to remarket to them. So it's like a sticky paper or a, a web that they come into. And the minute they touch us, we keep emailing them. And then we ask them for, or um, we keep marketing to them on Facebook, and then we ask for their email. Then we build our email database, and we have a campaign of once a week sending emails out. Um, so it, it's things that are kind of tied together, but we do extensive Facebook marketing, email campaigns. We work endlessly on SEO, so if somebody Googles something, they find us. We do Google AdWords. So it's a comprehensive plan that some of it fits together, and we try to be strong in every area. So wh- whose idea was it to do the YouTube videos? Uh, that was mine. Um, YouTube is a great source of SEO. Um, so we can, we load up our YouTube channel uh, with, and we also know that video is very, very strong now on social media. A lot of stuff. I don't know if you saw Mark Zuckerberg at the uh, Congre- congressional hearing where he talked about, you know, everything's going to video. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, so we think little clips and little snippets of, like, if you wanted to go on vacation, wouldn't you enjoy just watching a 60-second video of the condo that you might be staying in? And that would probably tell you so much more than reading a description or paging through photos. That's great, man. Video is a very important thing. We're a visual type society, I believe. Is that right, Micah? Yeah. And you had some questions for Joe? Yeah, yeah. What were you using? Because you said you had to prove to the owners that you were getting traffic to your site. Uh, Is there anything in particular that you were using to show the owners, like, hey, we do have the traffic, we have people visiting, and we could definitely market for you guys and be a viable market for you guys? Yeah, we came out right away, and uh, we, we produced a marketing plan. And we showed them, and we have that on the website. Uh, some people just want to hear, you know, in general what we're doing, but then some people want to see really what we're doing. And so we try to give each person what they need on the level that they need it. Um, of course, we have analytics. We can show them exactly how many people are coming to the site at what time, um, which areas get more traffic than others, and, and what keyword terms people are coming into the site on. Um, in the beginning, we did, drove a lot of traffic with social media because it's something that you can just kind of turn on and start marketing and bring them to the site. And then as the site got some age and we were able to work on the SEO, uh, the organic traffic is now you know, the number one thing that brings traffic in, and we, we can track all that. So we constantly are producing graphs and charts and showing people you know, the traffic from one month to another. And we just believe in being totally transparent because – you know, we have to market the site better than they market their stuff or they wouldn't be with us. Okay, gotcha. So you're using, like, Google Analytics and things and different analytics to prove to them, prove that to them. Because that's what I always wondered, um, if there was anyone to ever come out to compete with Airbnb, where would they start? Well, there was a, a great article um, written by a guy named Conrad, and he's into search engine optimization, uh, web design. He's highly embedded with the vacation runner world. Um, I, I I'll be, might be able to find it and email it to you, but he wrote the article on basically why it's close to impossible today to come out and compete with the Airbnbs or the you know Expedias um, under you know the four or five billion dollar market, just because you can't take all the terms that they have already and compete with them. I mm-hmm. mean, you would need, and he, he put some real numbers to it. You know, he figured it would take, you know, 3,000 people doing Google AdWords with a budget of $300 million a month to be able to get the terms up the way they did. And he went, he went through that process. And that's the biggest reason we stuck regionally, because to do what we did on a global basis, you would need $4 billion. But, you know, we just stuck to a 300-mile stretch of beach and we put all of our efforts into one area because we respected that it would take a, a ginormous effort with, you know, big, big backing to be able to do something like they have now. Well, if you start passing the hat around, I got, I got 100 bucks on it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll definitely stay in touch. <laughs> so you think – so we could officially say Airbnb is here to stay. There's no competing with that. In general, yes, but uh, I think that there is, it's so big that there's so much room underneath it to do other things. Uh-huh. Wow. You know, it's, it's just just so big that there's, they can't control and do everything. And the, the problem that we see, and this, was, this is real world, uh, for our owners and managers, when we sit down with them, 
uh, we go visit the managers in Panama City Beach, and they say, you know, we can't be on Airbnb because they take, you know, 18% of the total take. So that's why we advertised on HomeAway. And we didn't mind paying them $1,500 a year for a property, but now they're 8% for the owner and 18% or 15% for the guest to book. So that's another 25%. I'm charging my owner 25%. So that's 50% of this booking. That math doesn't work for us. We just, we can't do that. And so it's not a matter of competing with them. It's providing an alternative to people that can't use that model. Um, not everybody can use that model. That model will work for a bunch of people, but we're servicing the people that that model doesn't work for. Gotcha. That's smart. Definitely. And so how has uh, the host feedback uh, been for you guys? Oh, they're, they're thrilled. Uh, you know, the people that we have are, you know, what they do, our downside is people compare us to VRBO and Airbnb immediately, right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And so they call us and say, well, I'm on VRBO. I want to leave there. Um, I want to list with you. You know, I've got $80,000 worth of business last year. How much am I going to get with you? So those are big shoes to fill. And, you know, so we try to explain to them. And when we have our seminars, we call it an umbrella of marketing. We're like, don't put all your apples in one basket. This is what got you in that trouble in the beginning. And we try to teach them how to, you know, market on our website, maybe some other websites that are similar to ours. Start your Facebook page. Get your email database going. Um, You need to become self-sufficient so no one site can then control you because some some people are literally hung out to dry because they're, they, they have no other alternatives but then to stay with, you know, the Airbnbs or the VRBOs, give up their 20%, and then the wheels fall off. You know, these people will cancel a vacation on two days before 4th of July, and that might be a $7,000 booking. That person needs that money to pay their mortgage. They can't pay their mortgage now. And so real problems start happening. Um, so we're just trying to be a part of their marketing, not control the whole business. Wow, that's awesome. I, I've been saying that, like, people putting all their eggs in one basket, because we're, we're in Arlington, Texas, and we're currently going through some legislation. A lot of people are running scared because they've done that with their business. They've put it all on Airbnb, and if that gets shut down, they're done, you know. I'm happy you guys are. Well, go ahead. yeah, the other problem is Airbnb will shut you down. <clears throat> yeah. If- Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if they don't like some, let's let's say you have fifteen properties, and the only thing you do is Airbnb, or maybe the only thing you do is HomeAway, and both of them are doing it now. If you violate their terms and conditions, if they see that you say something about booking offline or contact me direct, boom, the whole account goes down, everything offline. And how can you run your business, you know, knowing that tomorrow the whole thing could be turned off by somebody else, and you have no choice in the matter? Wow. You're at their mercy. Yeah. That goes back to the uh, little tent sitting in front of the pizza parlor. If I have a pizza parlor, there will be no tent in front of it. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Come and grab a slice. Um, Right. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool how you you talk to the – and y'all are very receptive. That that was pretty neat because we saw your video. And you know, and, and someone posted it on the Arlington Short Term Short Term Rental Alliance, this Facebook page we're part of, mm-hmm. and okay. we're like, you know, we're we're banding together to to try to <laughs> banning that's a good word to fight the ban, you know, and um, just to get the word out there about Air, Airbnb, VRBO, whatever, how you know, whatever people using in town, and how city council's trying to ban it, 
And anyway, so you're someone used your video as an example. You, I mean, all the way over here in Arlington, Texas, we saw that that's the power of um, of YouTube, power of um, advertising. But right. But I clicked on it and I saw that and I was like, whoa. So I, I went ahead and tagged Micah right away and I was like, check this out. And he's like, get him on the show <laughs> so, <laughs> right away. And so and that's and that's cool because we we automatically saw like. Um, how useful it would be, especially let's say you know someone wanted to. You know, as like I said, you're not getting your hands dirty in a way. If someone from you know someone, I, I guess y'all are sticking to the to the you know vacation rental spots. But if someone's just are in one of those cities that's kind of uh, questionable or strict with the city council or whatever, and um, you know Airbnb, let's say a city you could only rent your place out for sixty days out of the year. Um, Airbnb would um, put like a thing on there after 60 days is up you can't rent it no more y'all on the other hand you said well, hey it's whatever you do with your place it's your place you know if you choose to bed. yeah if you choose to you know skirt that 60 day rule that's on you that ain't on us and so um, I guess we saw potential for it like with cities that are um, that are you know people that are fighting this this um, these Airbnb bans popping up everywhere right yeah, it, it, some people said, you know, they're too big to fail, and, you know, I'll, I'll kind of, I mean, we've seen big businesses fail in the past, but um, I just like to think that there's plenty of room. That's why it's called the World Wide Web. You know, it, they can be number one and number two. I'll be number three, four, and five, and I'll get my piece of the pie, and our, our clients can thrive. And the other thing that I wanted to drive home for a lot of people is uh, we went to a meeting with the Walton County in Florida um and they talked about their tax base. Now, this is a, a county uh, commissioner having a meeting about the disruption in the, you know, big OTAs taking over control of the, of the rentals in the market. And the first thing they said is, we're losing about 20% of our tax base because Airbnb and VRBO and Homeway are, are taking the bookings now, not our local people. And our local people are only getting 80%. They're not getting 100%. So that struck, you know, a lot of people, they didn't understand what would happen to a municipality when they lost 20% of their income. And then everybody there just understood, we got to find a different alternative. Of course, we were there to present our, our alternative, and we also tried to educate them that, you know, every week, hundreds of thousands of people come to this destination. They've been doing it for years. They will continue doing it for years. It's not dependent on a website. So we go back to just trying to educate the people. You know, people don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm going to go to Airbnb and maybe end up in Destin. They wake up and say, I'm going to Destin. How do I get there? And they just need to understand how to market themselves and not let somebody else control it. That's cool. So you've been at these city council meetings. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a dog fight. Yeah, oh, yeah, it is big time. And what do you, um, I guess... How do you how do you come across to the people? I guess uh, let's say let's say the angry people first. How how do you come across to them, trying to speak reason, and say you know this is how it's this is how we do business and this is how we differ from Airbnb. How does that how does that go across for uh, for the um, the enraged? Well, there um, in our market, what we're dealing with is I mean everybody wants the rental. It, well, I shouldn't say that. There, there was an uprising in Destin where they literally tried to shut down a lot of short-term rentals, and that didn't go over so well wow. for that contingency inside the city council. 
Um, but what we deal with is, you know, they were trying to make sure the the economics of the whole area isn't changed by these big places taking 20% out of the market. And so they looked to us. Um, we got a ton of cheerleaders. I mean, we've got people that are cheering for us like none other. On the other hand, they literally think, you know, Airbnb and VRBO, they're billion-dollar companies. Mm-hmm. And so there's some things we don't have and can't do that they can do because we're not a $4 billion company or a $50 billion company. Um, but it'll take us time, and we have the advantage of you know, being small, and we can do things like the guerrilla marketing and return your phone call quickly and be on the beach making videos where VRBO is not on our beach. You know, we fly planes up and down the coast they book direct on ECBYO, VRBO and Airbnb is not doing that. So we can be very effective in a very small area. And I think that's, you know, long term, that's what we think is going to be our version of success is, you know, we want to be spectacular for a small place and not just average for a big place. Wow. That's really cool. Pound that niche. Right. Exactly. And I love the point you made up because I never, I actually never thought about it from that scope of the money that you do take away from the people that are actually in the city to market these. You know that that's a really, really good niche. I never thought about. Yeah, and our area, the rentals are a given. You know, mm-hmm. so I understand. You know, in downtown Manhattan, New York, and you know your suburban areas, that it's they're not understanding people renting homes in a normal environment, but. If you go to Destin and pull into a condominium complex, those are all rentals. You know, uh-huh. I'm sure there's you know maybe a dozen out of a hundred people that live there, but they're in, it's a resort community, always has been and always will be. You know, so they don't have. Uh, we see a lot of short-term rental problems in bigger areas like in Orlando and uh, Tallahassee. You know, where it's getting into the urban areas and not just on the coast. Um, but our personal experience has been. Um, you know, the the city councils and stuff are more worried about the economy and the effects of the big OTAs than trying to ban the vacation rentals. Wow. That's cool, man. Um, so you're um you're obviously good at helping helping the hosts understand, you know, what this is what you need to do if you want to, you know, continue to make that whatever they're used to. Twenty thousand to eighty thousand a year, whatever they're used to. This is what you need to do. You know, market on all these sites, have your own Facebook page, have your own website, etc. And um, and that's cool. I mean, because you're educating them. So on that note, if if Micah and I <laughs> were to create a website here to cover the North Texas area, what what would you do to to educate us? What pointers would you give us? And speak slowly, um. please. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you know, get a good web designer. Make sure that you build the website right. Lay out your marketing plan. Also, identify, you, you want to make sure you have the numbers on your side. And we've seen some people that, that make a run at this, and they the numbers just aren't there, meaning there's not enough rentals. You're only going to get a percent of a percent to list with you. And so if you have a very small rental base, you know, because some people think, oh, 400 condos over here and 200 condos over here we can build a website well you really need hundreds of thousands you know to get 10,000 on your website um, so I would definitely just do some hard look at the demographics to see how many doors you have in that area and then look at the travel patterns is it seasonal um, is it year-round 
And, and those are the kind of things that we looked at before we decided on, you know, the markets that we went into. Well, I think I, I, I definitely agree with that. I see if you're saying, because if you're sticking to a vacation rental market, you're going to have, like you said, it's a resort-style area, so everything's, pretty much every building's a rental, correct? Right, correct. Okay. <clears throat> so doing it in the inner city, you'd run into more, a few, probably a few more issues, because not, you, you have neighborhoods, of course, where people actually yeah. live. Okay. Yeah, we're not going to start a Chicago regional vacation rental site. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, Airbnb is there, and there's a presence there, and people are renting short-term things there, but that's not the market that we would say, hey, that's where we need to be next. That just wouldn't, it wouldn't make any sense to us for what we'd like to do. Okay. And there any areas that you yourself personally are looking to possibly expand to more vacation rental areas? What areas would you be looking at? You mean our next area? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, our next area will be the Carolinas, North and South Carolina, like they call it the Grand Strand. Uh-huh. And it's, it's for the same reasons, again. There's uh, we, we call them doors, and that just means, you know, like one condo building could have 400 doors, where a neighborhood might have, you know, 300 homes. Those are 300 doors. So that's a, you know, a highly uh, densely populated area of vacation rentals that's traveled to very easily, a lot of driving destinations, a lot of people just, you know, simply drive there. It's just kind of a an alter side of the Emerald Coast. It's on the Atlantic side, mm-hmm. and so that's the next one we're working on. Oh, okay. It's the Myrtle Beach area all in there? Yep, Myrtle Beach, Hilton Head. Um, it'll be Carolina Beaches by owner. Carolina, wow, man. You guys are really making an impact. I like that you guys have been able to create a niche under all the OTAs, the Airbnbs, the VRBOs, <coughs> and still you know, be very impactful for owners. Yeah, that's we're not trying to be greedy, and mm-hmm. they can have their you know billions and billions. But if we can grow and have uh, multi-million-dollar companies, we're totally thrilled with that. You're over there in Florida, aren't you, Micah? Yeah, yeah, I have a few places in Florida, but yeah, and and like you said, they're mostly vacation rentals. My my Florida properties are mainly yeah vacation rentals. Kids and me and down in there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, isn't it true that, um, well, is Airbnb totally banned in Miami now? Uh, it has not, not banned. I think so. There, if it's not banned, it's real strict restrictions. Do you know anything about that, Joe? I, no, I've, I've seen and heard it. Um, the one we deal with more is Hawaii. We have a friend of ours that um, we've been kind of co-helping him. Uh, his website is called Hawaii Chi. And it's a regional site very similar to ours. You'll see him referencing us on his website because we've helped him along the way. And he has a very difficult time. Uh, the regulation, they literally have people that, I don't know what you want to call it, lie, cheat, steal. <laughs> you know, they can't, they, um, they rent, but they're not supposed to. And it's, you know, they got stuck in these, they've owned multiple homes and millions of dollars worth of real estate. And overnight, they banned them. Damn. And they can't sell them, and so they rent them, you know, under the covers or under the table, if you will. And it's archaic what they're going through out there, and it's it's everything what you guys are talking about. They designate certain areas, and it's very small. You know, like this area of the beach that has this resort is a rental market. Everything else on the island is no short-term rental. Wow, that's insane. It's a nightmare for them. That sucks. Um, I love yeah. I love Hawaii. I love Maui. 
Um, yeah, it sucks we can't get something out there. I mean, or that's that's so restrictive like that, especially when it's so expensive to live there. It's, you know, I especially feel bad for the, I would say locals, but like the ones that have been there for generations. I mean, hey, you know, they're they're struggling to get by because everything's so expensive because so many people move, you know, rich people move there and they make everything go up, and yet you're not letting them make a living, you know, trying to to, to make ends meet by using their house as something to to make money with, you know. Right, it, it's 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 a very politically driven thing. You know, you have um, a lot of the landowners and homeowners that have been there for a long time are not necessarily in the majority, um, but they're the ones on city council and they're the ones that you know run things. And the people that own a lot of the properties are absentee; they're not there. They can't be hands on, and that's how this stuff gets through. It's done in the middle of the night, you know, at city council meetings that nobody knows what's going on, and also <laughs> the law changes, and then problems happen. Yeah, and I um, I was joking with some friends at my at my job because I was I was telling them you know because I guess they saw it in the news oh Airbnb is gonna ban or um, Arlington is gonna ban Airbnb next I mean because these um, these towns in um, in North Texas are just it's, they're just falling like dominoes and I was like yeah well you know that's that's the plan I went to that council meeting and this is what happened and they're like wow and and I was like. I asked them, because they live in Arlington, I have some friends that live in Arlington too, I was like, have you ever been to a council meeting? And they're like, nah, I've never been to one in my life. And that was the first one I've ever been to. And I'm like, you know, it's it's kind of crazy from what I witnessed, I was like, how much, <laughs> how much the, um, I'll say the elderly kind of run our city, because they're the yeah. ones that are showing up to these meetings all the mm-hmm. time, and, and they're the ones, you know, they know that they're going to they're gonna vote for these for the whoever's in the council and they'll push for them and and they're the ones voicing their opinion and and us youngsters or <laughs> younger generation we're too busy trying to work you know one job two jobs raising a family and stuff to go to stuff like that and i was like it's it's just y'all need to start going to those things because they're kind of running the direction of all your cities and they're passing stuff that's kind of crazy sometimes yeah and it 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 happens they they tried it in destin and people did not believe uh, how far they got um, luckily, in the election, a, a new mayor came in and were able to turn things around. On the other hand, there has to be a balance. Um, mm-hmm. The one lady that led the charge in Destin, the city approved three homes to be built across the street from her. And it was a, a normal, you know, if you will, vacation rental area with very nice resort-style homes. And these were typically five bedrooms that would sleep maybe 15 people that would be on this street. And she lived there. And so the developer came in and put up three homes. Each one sleeps 35 people. And wow. so on any given week, there'd be 100 people directly across the street from her. Wow. And so the pressure that puts on the infrastructure of that area, the parking was almost impossible. The access to the beach with 100 more people coming to it back and forth. Um, so that was the tipping point for her. And so she led the charge to try to... Um, limit the number of people in a home based on the number of bedrooms because they're building these bedrooms and they'll put you know five bunk beds in one room and it could sleep 15 people in one room and so you know they go to a restriction and say one bedroom can sleep two people if you got a six bedroom house it sleeps 12 people not 35 um so if those laws change overnight on you and people aren't aware of what's going on it it's a huge issue yeah yeah big time all politics is local, right? Yeah. Wow. I got I got some more selfish questions to ask you, if you don't mind, Joe. 
Sure, far away. <laughs> All right, I've been um, looking for a while now, and it's and it's very well documented on our show. I've been looking for a, a condo in South Padre Island, and I'm sure you're familiar with South Padre, right? Yes. And I, mean, so, I, I haven't been there, but I'm familiar with it. Right, right. It's the uh, you know where the teenagers go to party. That's not why I want to go. I want to. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the year, it's not like that. It's just a you know little sleepy beach town, and they get you know get summers and and spring break they get tourists, and then you no know, winter Texans they call them that come through for the you know the the older folks from up north come do come through and and stay there for the winters. But um, I've been looking for spots down there, and I've been trying to trying to figure out how to make these things work, you know, on paper. I, I I guess I I just keep coming across the best case scenario on on owning a owning a condo on the beach for using it as a rental, but you know, using it as a family too. And the best case scenario keeps seeming that I can I might be able to break even on these. Now, um if you could give me any pointers on what to look for on on buying like such a property, and how you know how I could market it better? Of course, using your site would be awesome if y'all were down there. But like, if you could give me any pointers, what to look for, and um, and, and yeah, and how I could be successful with one of those things. Yeah, it's pretty much what we do all day long. Um, the first thing is to learn your market, which it sounds like you do know your market. There's going to be certain uh, properties that are going to be more popular than others. Um, so people are familiar with it. Those properties will rent more. Um, improve them. Uh, this is one mistake we see a lot of people do is they look at a rental property and they think, oh, I'm going to bring my grandma's couch down and let's put <laughs> go the opposite. Update it to the nines. Redecorate it. Get it all to the most current standards that you can get. So when you take professional photography of your property and you put it online, it outperforms and just looks better than all the other properties. And then price it reasonable. Don't be so high that you're fighting and you miss a week. Because we have a, a very perishable commodity. It's a, it's time. And if you miss a week in June because you're priced too high and I'm priced a little bit less and I get all four weeks, I just made my gross more than you and your property might be trying to get more per week. And that's probably the number one thing we see people is, I got the best condo on the beach. I got to charge this. It's like, well, you can charge that, but it doesn't mean you're going to get it. And so pricing it right and improving it um, to the best that you can for that area. Um, and then just comp it out. See what the other properties are doing in the area. We create spreadsheets of Performa before somebody buys something. And we can estimate and look at it and say, well, you should be able to gross, you know, 75000 on this property and then start backing out your expenses. Is that going to, you know, pay your bills to your satisfaction? Nice, nice. And so your company does that? Well, we we kind of do it more like on a personal level because it just uh, depends on, you know, we, we're, we're in contact with certain realtors that we work with that, um, you know, they have good buyers. And if they come into town and say, Joe, they're looking at this condo, you know, can you comp this out for us? We'll put together a quick spreadsheet for them to, because we'll, we probably have condos in that building that we know exactly what that condo should bring. Oh, cool. But we always say if it's done correctly. Nice, nice. Um if you find it, if you know of any good ones in Destin, yeah, go ahead and and send them my way, please. I love Destin. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that market we know. I you know I wouldn't know the Texas market intimately, but I, you could do the same. You could go through the same you know exercise there as we would do it here, and just have somebody get you supply you with that information. 
um, you know, the way we're supplying them with it. You know, a lot of it you can find online and cop it out to see what the other condos are getting, and then you just see how much um, you're going to use it. I also will argue that if you break even, you're successful because you're going to have appreciation. You have how many weeks a year that you're using it. Um, it's enjoyable. I mean, I've never met anybody that doesn't like going to vacation in their own vacation rental. It's, mm-hmm. it's something that's just really cool to do. And if, if you go down two or three weeks a year and then you rent it out the rest of the year and you can pay your bills, and five years, ten years down the road, you have it paid off and you have a nice asset sitting there, that's not a bad investment. Huh. That's pretty good. And um, I guess the only thing I worry – well, another there's so, there's a lot of things to worry about, but uh, is the HOAs, you know, they're kind of steep, and you would just imagine they're going to go up higher and higher every year, right? Yeah, and I would, um, I would talk to people about the HOAs. Um, you know, it's the old adage like we talked about with the city councils. If you're not there and you're not on the board – um, you could be going into a, a beehive of activity that you know nothing about. And you, it's very, very beneficial to call a few of those condo owners and say, who's the president? Do you like him? What's he do? What rules do you have? Be, you know, because there could be unsaid rules and there could be written rules. Um, and all of a sudden these people will light up, oh, they're trying to do this. They want to ban this. They don't want to do this. Or they might have a big assessment coming up. Oh. Know, that they've been talking about, that all of a sudden next year we're going to have a $30,000 assessment because we didn't have enough reserves for our new roof. And, you know, It's just people will talk to you if you ask them, and I would definitely ask questions of the current owners of a place before you buy there. Sweet. You looking to buy one, Micah? Ooh, staying away from the vacation rental market, but I'm learning from listening to Joe. Joe. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm staying away from the vacation rental market, but once I learn it, I may buy a retirement house somewhere, Destin or Myrtle Beach. <laughs> Myrtle Beach is nice. Yeah, that's where he's planning on going, so yeah. Oh, sweet. Do you have any, because um, I stepped out a minute ago and Micah was asking you about where you plan on going next. Do you, you don't have, you're not going to go all the way down to the coast to, to Padre, are you? No, um, yeah, we haven't really looked at that area very hard yet. Okay, cool. Then I'll, I guess I'll go ahead and start one over there, if you don't mind. No, go ahead. <laughs> Welcome to the so, club, we always say. <laughs> qu- quick question. So in Destin, how much would, like, a one-bed, one-bath condo go for? Um, there's not a whole lot of one-bedroom, one-baths that are on the rental side. They're there, mm-hmm. but they're probably in the mid-twos they'd start. Mid-twos? Yeah. Okay, and what what would like what would the occupancy rate be on that on a year? Um, you probably could get six. A lot of times they'll have a bedroom, and then they'll have like a little hall bunk, and then mm-hmm. a sleeper sofa in the living room. Okay, so you could fit six. And how 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 much of the year could I plan on that being rented out? You mean like the gross rentals or percent of occupancy? Percent of occupancy. Um, in our market. If you want to, you can rent it out 100% of the time. And it's just wow. going to, you're going to have to vary your rates, is all. Summer's, you know, your peak rental time. Uh, spring break is your secondary peak time. Your fall is your shoulder season. And then you, the snowbirds love the one bedrooms. So we get the same thing. We get people to come down from Michigan, Canada, um, mm-hmm. and they'll rent from you know, November till February. And it's, it's bottom dollar. Uh, but they, you know, it'll stay occupied, and they usually take very good care of it because they're living in it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't get a snowbird, you can still pick up weekly rentals. You might not be 100% full during that time if you don't get a snowbird, but you might be 60% full. Um, but most of our properties, if we choose to, we can rent them 100% of the time. We'll take time off for our personal use, and then we always try to take time off to make improvements, uh, remodel a bathroom, paint the house. So we'll schedule that, you know, in a certain two- or three-week period in the off-season. Nice, nice. And um, so you go, I mean, y'all go high-end on everything. What What are some advice on how to, like, um, to go in there and, and you know, and, and redecorate something or bring it up to, to modern? What would be some affordable tips to, to do something like that? Um, it, it just, it, if you can spend the money on it, you get the money out of it. So, you know, we'll see somebody come along. We'll try to do it. Our friends will do it. Our clients will do it. If you buy a a $350,000 condo and put $150,000 into it, um, you can sell it and flip it for $550,000. Wow. Um, because it's just, people want the higher end stuff and, you know, if it's a brand new property, that's that's great. But if you come across a, a ten-year-old condo building, and it has ten-year-old carpet and ten-year-old countertops and ten-year-old cabinets and ten-year-old bathrooms, you know that's a lot to change. So if you come in and do a complete redo for a hundred thousand dollars, you can really do very well either by keeping it and renting it now for top dollar, or flip it and you know make your money back. Wow. Those are the top rentals that we have. I mean, they just they rent like scalded dogs because people want that high-end stuff now and they look great in pictures oh yeah everybody's an hgtv fan right yeah oh exactly (laughs) that's exactly what we're talking about you take this old dingy condo and all of a sudden you know three months later it's like wow (laughs) and and i've i've told michael before like it's let's let's dustin i'm I'm sorry um south padre for example and we've been going there for years and it's still, I mean, they're getting into the newer way of doing things, but they've still got that old school mentality where they have some, they expect people to just to show up at the beach and go to one of the, one of the rental agencies on the beach and say, hey, I need, a, <laughs> I need a condo for the weekend. What do you got? And they'll get you one, give you the keys and hand you some towels and, and off you go. You get to the place, there's a set of rules. Oh, they, they hand you a set of rules. Uh, <laughs> bring your own toilet paper, bring your own <laughs> trash bags, bring your own, <laughs> I'm like... And we stayed at one of those recently. I'm like, man, we've been spoiled by like the, the Airbnb and VRBO model where people are trying to, you know, really go out of their way to, to provide everything for the guests. Right. And so um, I just think that, I mean, I mean, how do you, I guess, well, you're the middleman, but you encourage, I'm, I'm sure you encourage your host to, to go above and beyond like that for their guests, don't you? We do. Um, you know, we're talking... Yeah, like we'll have electronic locks. Um, you know, we have seamless online booking. We have automatic reply on emails. We have automatic uh, email notifications of their reservation, their access information, thank you notices. You know, so we want to embrace all the technology like that to make it quick and fast. They don't have to go to a rental office. They literally drive in with their phone. They have their you know codes on their phone to get in the gate. They got their codes to get in the house. They got instructions all week being texted to them and mail, emailed to them about hey, it's garbage night on Tuesday and don't forget your checkout times tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock and then they pull out and leave. But we don't ever want to replace 
the one-on-one communication between the guest and the owner. So if the guest is in that house and has an issue, they call me or call one of our managers. They don't call a, you know, a third world country uh, service <laughs> center and <laughs> Airbnb. Yeah, and um, you know, get a canned response on what to do when this happens, and they get they get totally left out of the cold. It's just not a good customer service experience, in my opinion. And and that's what um, you see. I, I guess um, I list my. I have a you know I have an Airbnb here in in the DFW area, and I and I you know Airbnb is like you said it's convenient. They handle everything. You know the the payment goes straight to your bank account. Uh, VRBO the same thing. And um, Booking dot com. Uh, I don't know if you've worked with them before, but they're they're finally coming around to that. Whereas they kind of did the something similar to what to what you what you y'all are offering. Whereas they okay, this person wants to book, boom, boom, boom. They're booking your place for this week. Um, go ahead and accept payment when they get there, or a week before they, or a few days before they get there. You can you can hit them up and then and charge them. They were doing that, and I was like, "Whoa, what the hell?" And so I went ahead and how do I get accept payment for these people? And I went ahead and downloaded the um, the Square app, which is pretty awesome. And so they paid me directly through the phone, and um, of course Square took a little chunk, but it wasn't it wasn't as big of a chunk as like Airbnb or VRBO would. And so right, I was like, right. this, is, "This is pretty cool." Why do I? I was thinking to myself, "Why do what I need?" I mean, for the exposure, I'm sure, but like I could kind of do this myself. It's a little scary at first because I'm the one in charge of taking the money and um, and either meeting with the people or talking to them on the phone or something like that. But I could see getting used to that, and if I had my systems in place, and of course you're helping the hosts with their, you know, put their systems in place and do it this way. And um, I guess, I guess, do you go ahead and guide them towards apps like that and say, hey, you need to get PayPal, you need to get Square, you need to get whatever else, on, and, and be ready to take these payments when they get there. Yeah, that's a hundred percent what we do. We we help them get all that stuff set up. We have the software, so you just take the booking on your own, like all the things I just talked about. We have all the automation. We want them to do that, but we want that merchant service to be in their name. Like you said, it's your you, you, you pay a service fee for the merchant service. That's like a banking fee. But you take control of the payments coming to you. And what the nightmares we see are these larger management companies and even, even private owners with a bigger house. Um, you start talking... You know, some of these rentals might be over $10,000 for a week, you know, with a big home with two or three families coming in. And they have one, two, or three disputes during the year, and it goes back to VRBO or HomeWay or Airbnb, and they favor for the guest. Um, that's a, these are real heartaches that these people go through, and they're like, I, I can't let these people control, you know, who's giving back my money, and, th- and that's what they do. Um, so... That's why we always say, you're, you're paying me. We want you to be paid by your guest. If the guest has a problem, they call you. You fix your guest problem so they don't have a reason to try to, you know, get the money back. Anytime you bring in that third party, more problems will come down the road, and, and we see it every day. Wow. That, that's that's real huge. Um, yeah, because I know most host complaints on Airbnb is they, they control the payment. Um, do you guys offer, like, let them know, hey, like, let's say the host they're in control of taking like a security deposit and things like that, correct? Well, we want them to, but uh, now they can do it on Airbnb or VRBO. You know, the whole thing goes through them. So if, if they damage your house, 
and the guest says I didn't do it, and they give the guest back the damage deposit, there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Yeah. So you you guys, because I've been really looking at kind of going more your way, you can me controlling everything that comes in. Like, let's say I collect a guest credit card. It kind of protects you rather than like an Airbnb. The security deposit really isn't even real. So do you guys kind of encourage that? We do. Yeah, we okay. – well, we also use a, a damage insurance product through Travel Guard. And so okay. far it's served us extremely well, and all the clients that we use, it's served them extremely well. Um, we don't see – you know, if you have a big problem, you have a legal problem. Like if you have somebody that tears out a bathroom or something, that that's not what I'm talking about. I'm mm-hmm. talking about if, you know, Junior steps on the dishwasher and breaks the door. Well mm-hmm. – we have a damage insurance product that, you know, for $49, the owner just files a claim and gets up to $3,000 worth of coverage. Whoa. So it's a very good experience for the guest. And if the guest breaks a window or, you know, spills wine on the carpet, um, it's all covered. And then the owner just files uh, with the insurance company. It's an online uh, form they fill out. They send it in. They take a picture and they get the money paid back directly. So the guest isn't put on guard about, well, my son didn't do that. Well, so, who did it? Somebody did it. It's a very bad experience when you got to tell your guests they got to pay for something at your house. It's, nothing ever goes well in that situation. Mm-hmm. And that insurance kind of solves that issue. Uh, here's a big question. What, what do you all do in the reviews department? Like um, either the hosts can review the guests or vice versa. I mean, that's huge with Airbnb and, and somewhat with VRBO, but that's, 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 what, that's what's a, a real big part of Airbnb, that we can say, hey, these guests sucked or, or hey, this host sucked, you know, or they did good. Yeah, I, I have um, – I'll say two different things about it. I'll, I'll go one way and then I'll, I'll flip on you here. Um, <laughs> Okay, so reviews are great. It's one way to tell, you know, what somebody thinks about a property, what somebody's um, experience is with dealing with somebody in business. Um, I think you need to have great reviews. We work on reviews. We try to get reviews. Uh, we try to get good reviews. On the other hand, I think a lot of people know, and it's very public, that a lot of reviews are bogus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's people out there that are faking reviews, Um you know, I, I think the better people run the better businesses and the cream rises to the top. And I'm never afraid if I have, you know, 25 five-star reviews and I got one three-star review. Um, mm-hmm. I don't try to, you know, get rid of that. What I try to do is explain it. Um, I had a lady that had a plumbing problem in one of my properties, and I called my guy, and he said I'll be there in an hour, and he didn't show up for two days. Oh. And he was very, so reliable, I never had to call him twice. And so she leaves and gives me a bad review saying, you know, I called and nobody showed up. And I, I went back out and just said, hey, I'm, that was my fault. I didn't check on my guy. He was supposed to come. He didn't. I apologize. And I think people understand you're human, but then they can read my other 25 five-star reviews and see everything went well. And sometimes, you know, crap happens, and yeah. you, you have to deal with it. And if they know that, you know, 24 out of 25 times it's going to be a really good thing i think the odds are in your favor that they think that now this is a realistic review because we do see uh you know one that was bad that was handled and we have confidence that this is a good system and not a bad one i mean if you think about it that um if god could be reviewed i bet he wouldn't get five stars across the board (laughs) 
So <laughs> why worry about your place so much if you're doing this? Not that you're being godlike or whatever, just but you're you're doing the best job you can, making it as as awesome experience for your guests as you can. And like you said, there's always going to be there's always going to be haters out there, right? Yeah, there are. And I mean, like you guys mentioned, if you want to Google right now, you know, Airbnb reviews or VRBO reviews, and I can show you thousands and millions of negative reviews. Mm-hmm. So. It, that's the problem I have with reviews. It, it's a, it means well, but it, there, you should put a big asterisk by, do I trust this whole system emphatically throughout everything? And I say, you know, be very careful. You know, look at the reviews, get a, get a feeling in your gut. And reviews, you know, I'm on seven, eight different websites advertising my property, and there's reviews everywhere. So if you come along and see one website and it has three reviews, well, I might have seven reviews over here and four more over here and six more over here and 22 over here. Um, it's hard to get the whole picture, but, you know, if you start with it and then you have a good relationship and, you know, the person answers the phone and they return your emails, most people will get a warm and fuzzy for you with, you know, how you run your business in general. That's true. That's so very true. And so do you all offer the reviews right now in, in your platform? We do. Yeah, you'll see them on, you know, they can submit the reviews and they get posted on the listings. But we run through the same things. You know, the owners will call and say, well, I don't want this review up there because this person was this. And, you know, it's like, well, now we got an argument on our hands. Who, who do you believe? <laughs> and then we're put in that position. And it's, it's, a very, it's very difficult to, to deal with it in a straightforward manner. Now do you say, hey, hey, I'm just the middleman here? Or uh, how do you do it? <laughs> Well, yeah, we we just try to we always encourage them to respond to it because I think you know if it's something negative and you don't respond, you didn't have a chance to explain yourself. Huh. And sometimes owners think the only review, the only good review is a five star review um, or the highest level, whatever it is. And I think it's okay if somebody, you know, hey, it, it was a good vacation, but it was rainy all week and we left early, and they give them a four star review. <laughs> well. You know, it wasn't your fault, but, you know, it, the person didn't have a great time. So he's just given his honest opinion. It, it, it's just very subjective. He was really giving God that four-star review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, is crazy. Um, yeah, speaking of reviews, I just had, a, you know, some guests stay there. And they loved the place they gave. They said how awesome it was. Gave me a glowing, you know, write up and everything. And they left me a four stars. I was like, "What the? <laughs> what the yeah. heck is that about, man?" And so and some people might say, "Well, I just don't give five stars." You know, it, it, we've yeah. heard that before. Right, right, right. You know, I didn't have a bidet or something like that. Yeah, right. I've I've heard like people in uh like I had people like guy from I think France, and he kind of said the same thing. Like he was saying. In Europe, uh, he said, yeah, we don't really give five-star reviews because it's, it's impossible, I guess, to have a five-star experience. I'm like, okay, you know, but that's just what, what he came from, what he said. So, I don't know. Yeah. Well, crazy, man. Well, um, Joe Godar, Godar, I'm sorry. It's Godar, right? Right, right. Okay, Godar, like like Hodar from Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> Go and dar, yeah. <laughs> Go and dar. Well, uh, man, we appreciate it. Uh, appreciate it so much that you came on the show. Sorry, I have a bit of a cold. I'm, I'm struggling through this a little bit, but um, man, we got so much awesome information from you. Yeah. We appreciate you hopping on and and 
and letting us know how uh, there's another way to do it. And I'm yeah. glad that these yeah. um, and, and you're keeping it regional. You're, you're perfecting your niche right now, and that's great. And you're you plan on expanding, and that's how it should be. You know, a, a slow, methodical expansion. I think before you just I, I, there's something to be said because I mean Airbnb, boom, all you know they expanded real fast, and all of a sudden they're in all kinds of legal issues everywhere. They're fighting <laughs> legal battles all over the globe, <laughs> and uh, but. Yeah, you're fine. You're, you know, you're doing it. You're doing it right. I think, and and you go into the council meetings, and, and you're and you're explaining this to people both sides, and I think that's really important. Uh, we're over there, you know, fighting, and all all these people are, are are bitching about Airbnb to us, and we're like, hey, you know, we're not the company, but you know, we're we benefit from them in a way, and this is trying to explain things away. Whereas Airbnb is not really up there you know, talking for us. But, I mean, for you to actually go to those meetings and, and, and try to educate people, I think that's really valuable, and that's the, a big thing that's missing in this STR market we got going on right now. No, I appreciate being on here, and uh, we're just trying to, you know, find our niche and, and hold on to our niche and just try to bring something beneficial to the, uh, to the market. That's awesome. Yeah. And so where can uh, folks get a hold of you at, Joe? Um, the easiest way is just go to Emerald Coast by Owner and uh, just click on the, the contact us, and you can send us an email or a phone call directly. Or jump on the chat like you did, and uh, you'll see the little chat button in there, and mm-hmm. uh, we try to man that best we can, usually Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Yeah, I hit that chat button because I like when we saw that video, and I, and I told and I told Mike, I was like, I need to get, uh, I said, this guy's got a cool idea. And he's like, get him on the show. And I went to that website, and I was like, I was about to send a message, like, oh, there's a chat button there. Mm-hmm. And so I clicked that chat button, and uh, this lady answered. Um, I forgot her name. She answered, you know, right away. And I was like, hey, uh, can I speak to the owner? <laughs> kind of, <laughs> maybe not like that. And I explained to her what we were doing. And she's like, oh, hold on one sec. And then boom, there's there's Joe, the 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 founder of of Emeralds. Uh, oh, man, I got Emerald a call. Coast by Emerald owner. Coast by owner. <laughs> Right, and I'm talking directly to the founder, and I'm like, "Wow, where where does this ever happen? You know, it don't happen on Airbnb for sure." But I thought this is the coolest thing, and, and he's very responsive. Hit him up. I mean, you have any questions? And um, hey, you might get a spot out there on the Emerald Coast and and start making some money with Joe. Yeah, come down and visit us. There's a uh, a lot of people that had uh, some problems with the hurricane, so we're hoping they could get all back up and running. The best thing that somebody could do is you know go visit them, and you know go back to those restaurants and book their vacations with them again and uh, they're rebuilding it clean it up as fast as they can and everybody down there appreciates the business wow that's awesome heck yeah well thank you so much Joe and we look forward to keeping in contact with you and seeing where this where this whole big thing goes yeah let's stay in touch I really appreciate you guys having me on alright man thanks take it easy alright have a great night you too you too Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Live, Let, Drive. Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye-bye.